record to the class. This meeting is being recorded. Good morning or afternoon or evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Bill Woodcock, and you are watching or listening to another edition of the Forward Maryland podcast. With me is always to kick off the third hundred episodes of Forward Maryland is my intrepid co-host, Steve Hunt. Steve, how's your weekend going? Weekend is going good. The uh, Orioles shockingly have won the first two games in Houston versus the first place in the entire American League Astros. Uh, going for the sweep today, although Verlander's on the bump for uh, the Strohs, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, look, you know, it, it's the O's winning, it's the Ravens winning, you know, preseason game number 58 in a row or whatever it is. But you know what the talk is in Charm City? Poe. Prayers up to Baltimore Whoa. Ravens mascot Poe, who apparently tore an ACL. Harbaugh is going to give the results of the MRI on Monday, I believe, at his press conference. And, but, you know, prayers up, Poe. Hopefully you're uh, recovering and getting better soon. You, you know, I was watching that that uh, mascot on mascot violence in the background <laughs> during the Ravens game as the announcers were talking at halftime. And first off, what, what struck me was that for some reason, the University of Delaware Blue Hen dwarfed all other mascots, was like twice Thanks. the size of all other mascots, which seemed to me one unfair too creepy and then and then poe got knocked down and then all the other mascots ran off the coyote the oriole bird a ram and i don't even know what school in maryland has a ram but the uh the morgan state bear ran off and poe laid on the field crumpled up like a squashed bug and i was like i think poe's really hurt Hey, let me tell you something. As, as a former student of the University of Delaware, don't sleep on UD. That's a that chicken is 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 a tough customer. Dance chicken dance, okay? Have you ever been a, a mascot, Steve? I've never been a mascot. It, it is athletic. I, I have never That's either, but it is athletic. I'm going to ask our our guest today, Byron. Have you ever have, ever been a mascot for anything? Can't say I have. Yes. <laughs> No, I, I can't say. No? I have. <laughs> no. Unfortunate, unfortunate. No. Well, well, I can tell you. I mean, it seems kind of athletic and arduous. So, yes, we wish Poe well. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring in our our honored guest, return guest to the podcast, so he gets to be part of the of the semi witty uh, front end banter. Howard County Register of Wills and a very good friend of the podcast, Byron McFarland. Byron, welcome to the podcast today. Great to be here with you guys. Thank you for the invitation. And so we are here today to talk about the ballot referenda in the state of Maryland. Now, there are five ballot referenda for the voters of Maryland to vote yay or nay upon on November 8th. And uh, amazingly, they have not gotten any media, any press, Steve, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen anybody talking about anything having to do with any of these referenda, considering that there are some weighty issues, such as the uh, legalization of recreational marijuana, no small thing for the state of Maryland. Um, have you seen anything about these referenda, Steve? The only one is about the cannabis uh, legislation. You'll, you'll see some noise on Twitter here and there. There are you know, a couple of the delegates uh, who who are definitely pushing it. 
it, it got a little quiet towards primary day, understandably so, because you know some of the folks from Annapolis pushing it, you know, had elections to worry about. Um, but really, that's the only one throughout the cycle that I've heard about, and I've heard any noise about um, in terms of the referendum that are out there. Yeah. So, 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 question number five on this fall's uh, general election ballot is is specific to Howard County and it would remove the responsibility of it would relieve orphans court responsibilities and we're going to get to an explanation of what those are from the judges of the orphans court of Howard County and put those responsibilities in the hands of Howard County circuit court judges so um our Register of Wills here in Howard County, Byron McFarland, is an advocate of, of, of Question 5. And in all, uh, in all fairness uh, and disclosure, uh, Steve and I are too. Uh, but we want to have, uh, have a discussion to educate voters as to what Question 5 is. So, Byron, take it away. What is Question 5? Why did it come about? And how did it get to the point of being a referendum here in the fall? Yeah. Um, well, thanks again for having me and for talking about this issue. You're right that, you know, um, these referenda really get overlooked. And this is an important issue for people in Howard County. This is the most important judicial reform that our county has had in probably 50 years. Um, and question five will ask the voters to decide whether to end, as you said, Bill, end elections of orphans court judges and vest all of that authority in the circuit court. This is something that's already done in Montgomery County and Hartford County and has been for decades. Um, this would follow what most states do. So it's 36 states plus DC all use some trial court, like a circuit court to handle probate matters. It's only 14 states that use some kind of specialty court like a probate court. And Howard County is one of only 19 counties out of over 2000 in America that uses a court without lawyer judges. And all 19 of those are in Maryland, by the way. So we're, we're this kind of anomaly. And so you ask, how did this come about? It's that we are really out here in left field in how we approach our judicial consideration of these matters. So um, the question before voters, you know, again, is, you know, whether to restructure how we handle uh, probate matters in Howard County. It will be before all the voters of the state. The way this works is that um, you know, Maryland, as, as, as you two may know, and some people may know, Maryland has the longest constitution in, uh, in the country. Um, and we have all kinds of weird stuff in there. <laughs> like there's stuff about parking in Baltimore that's in our constitution. Um, <clears throat> so, um, but obviously this has to do with the structure of our judiciary. So it's in the constitution. Um, this is exactly what happened. Question five is exactly what was put before the voters. Um, in Montgomery County and, and Hartford County back in the 60s and 70s when they did this. The way it works is that um, because it's in the Constitution, everyone in the state has to vote on it. Because it's a local issue, it has to pass not only statewide, but also with a majority vote in the jurisdiction affected. So for this to pass, we need a majority vote in Howard County and a majority vote statewide. The last time this was on the ballot, it passed with over 70% of the vote and a stronger vote in the jurisdiction affected. So, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic about this passing. Um, and, uh, um, you know, where, where did this, how did this come about? I think that's a really important question. 
you know, I touched on the fact that we are this really this outlier in how we approach probate matters. Um, that is something that we have been aware of for a very long time. Um, what has become more apparent though over time is that this institution, you know, it's called the Orphan's Court. Um, I can't think of any, any worse name for this court uh, because it doesn't actually have anything to do with orphans, nothing at all. So when our starting point is that the name of this court has nothing to do with what it actually does, we're not off to a great start, right? And that presents, I think, ultimately, I mean, really as a fundamental issue, a small d democratic problem. We elect people to an office that no one understands what it does. Is that right? I don't think so. Um, you know, at least with my office register of wills, people think it has something to do with dealing with wills. Well, you're in the right direction, right? Sheriff, people think law enforcement. State's attorney, they think something about prosecuting. Clerk, they think something about, you know, uh, being a repository of records. All of that is right, but Orphan's Court is such a bizarre misnomer. Um, that's not a good start. Um, obviously, also, no one knows who these candidates are. Uh, also not a good start that we're electing people who no one knows who they are. Um, generally speaking, these elections are not contested, um, or you may only have four people run as we did this year uh, for three positions. I mean, not a, not bad if you're if you're the one running for office and all you have to do is come in third place. It's not bad. Um, you know, I'm used to running where you've got to come in first and there's only one winner. Um, so so that's not good for kind of small D democracy. Um, and then ultimately sort of day in, day out, the problem is this, you know, we have a, we have a system that was designed literally when America was founded. So we're talking about over about 250 years ago, the system was borrowed from England and it's, it's lineage goes all the way back to the 13th century. That's how old this system is where you have non lawyer or non lawyer judges presiding over probate matters. That's how, how far back we go. And, you know, this is the only part of our entire state judiciary that has undergone no changes whatsoever since our state's founding. All of our appellate courts, our trial courts, the district court didn't even exist until 50 years ago. You know, our intermediate appellate court didn't exist until a few decades ago. All of these institutions have gone through serious changes over time, but not this one. Um, and the reason for that is simple, um, is that we is that these courts are made up of elected officials. And if you go back and you look at the history of our elected our orphans court judges in Howard County, you would not be surprised to find, you know, Warfields and uh, and Skaggs and other famous land owning names of, of you know families in Howard County. Um, no surprise there at all, right? Um, and so that's, that's that's why these positions have never been touched. Is that they, you know. And I'll say that, you know, during the course of the legislative process that led us to this referenda, not only did our judges, but judges, orphans court judges all over the state called in all of their political favors to try to stop this. I mean, that's that's the that's what's been, that's what's happened here. And there's something very unseemly and, and I think even borderline unethical about that. That's certainly not the kind of, you know, do we want judges being acting as politicians? And the answer is absolutely no. I mean, we see that at the Supreme Court, right? I mean, we've got a couple of judges on the Supreme Court who are absolutely, you know, they could they could be they they would be better positioned in the Senate than on the Supreme Court because they have a clear policy objective, right? We don't want people like that in our judiciary, um, and 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 that gets to sort of you know, should we elect judges? Period. 
you know, if you talk to, you know, we just had a contested circuit court election um, and those are contentious every time they come up. Um, the judges don't like, don't like having to run. They don't like having to raise money. They think, they think it's unseemly. It's a strange thing to run for an office where you say, vote for me, I'll be fair. You know, people generally are asking for candidates who are running, like, what are you going to do for me? Um, I'll be fair for you. Okay, that's not really, you know, not really getting me going here. Um, and, and that obviously opens up, you know, other ethical issues. You know, one of the Orphan's Court candidates running in Howard County this year, her treasurer is a lawyer who goes before this court on a regular basis. I think that's a problem, <laughs> you know? So we have, and these aren't individual problems with the judges, it's a systemic problem. Right. And so, you know, and the last thing I'll say is, is you know, on, on why we are here is that having a panel of three judges who aren't required to be lawyers and who, even if they are lawyers, don't have, don't have to have any special training in probate law or in how to be a judge, you know, how to be fair, how to be impartial, how to dispense with matters promptly, how to weigh, you know, should I have a hearing or not? Should I, you know, should I uh, uh, hold this up or let it go? Um, that system, you know, where you have three people who are sort of natural electoral enemies on top of that, and let's throw in that one of them gets appointed chief judge by the governor. Um, you have a system that is, you've got people who aren't really qualified for the work, um, or aren't, aren't necessarily going to be uh, qualified for the work. And then you've got a system that by design is going to have intense interpersonal conflict. Um, and that has been the case um, in our orphans court for decades. This is not anything recent at all. Um, it goes back into the 80s and 90s, as far as I know. So that's why we're here. You know, it's do we want a more professional system that has sort of kept up with the times? Or do we want to keep something that hasn't changed since, you know, before women could vote. Byron, thank well, you so much for, for that explanation and exposition on on uh, on not just uh, the orphans court, but also on the circuit court and, and how both interplay with your office in terms of administering matters of of people's uh, property and and livelihood and how they're you know how their assets are to be distributed after they die and as steve and i have both had you know up close and personal uh interactions with with the registrar's office and with the orphans court um and and you're right they do require a a, a good bit of tact diplomacy sound judgment and and, and leadership uh i just want to pull a, pull a few threads um but you know when you mentioned I mean, and, and just to confirm, um, you know, when you mentioned that that the 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 orphans court judges, I mean, they're they're perfect lay they can be perfect lay people, right? I mean, absolutely no legal training. This is a any man or woman off the street job can can do, right? Yeah, the only constitutional requirement uh, to be an orphans court judge is that you have lived in Howard County for a year before the election. And, and you mentioned that, and you mentioned the election and that they're of course elected in the state and local cycles, but the election is also partisan, which you, you alluded to in, in my saying, talking about how political are, but they are in fact partisan. And these folks often appear on the, on the up and down ballots of, yeah. you know, party slates. Yeah. You know, so, so we're talking patronage positions 
in in, right. in many respects. My word, not yours. But you know, it's you know, it can be fairly easy to see where people who may not know a lot about what they're doing, you know, get on a slate because well, they've done something for somebody further up on that slate. Yeah. Uh, and, and well, then, and well, then, if I, can, if I can jump in there, Bill, you're absolutely right because I mean, I'm. I actually went on the Maryland uh, State Board of Elections website to get just to remind myself of the names of the people who are running. And, you know, Byron, I know you can attest to this as well. You know, the only candidates running were were Democratic candidates. There were no Republican candidates running at all. And I can tell you from my experience running in 2018 and Byron, you've run several times. You know, we go to a lot of these functions for different candidates and things of that nature. And at those candidates are these candidates for Judge of the Orphans Court. You know, they're, they're there, you know, working the room and, you know, getting in good with certain electeds and, you know, stronger candidates. I'm sure, Byron, you've been chatted up by many of these individuals. So, Bill, to your point, yes, very partisan. Right, right. So, so you know, and, and what could be a Democratic versus Republican way of how to administer probate? I, I absolutely have no idea. But Byron, the last thing I, I want to ask, and, and before I turn it over to Steve, is that you know the the circuit court judges in Howard County? And I, I want to. I used to know how many there are. I want to say there's four. I don't know five. if that's five. five. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can imagine that a, a negative comment about this this referendum would be it would overload the workload of the circuit court judges. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because um, it's something that opponents of this have been saying from day one is that, you know, um, the orphans court has so much work, it would overwhelm the circuit courts, they couldn't possibly handle it. Um, you know, facts are important. <laughs> uh, and the fact is that over the last um, 10 years, the average caseload, the average new caseload for our circuit court in Howard County has been about 8,000 cases a year. The new caseload for our orphans court has been about 200 a year. You do the math, that's a little over 2% increase for the circuit court to take over the work of the orphans court. You kind of do the math a little bit more and you figure out how much time is that going to take. It would take the circuit court about an hour a week to take care of the work of the orphans court. On average, they have one or two hearings a week and they only have about, I think on average, 14 uh, kind of administrative matters that are put before them to sign off on. Um, and I can tell you, having talked to some of the circuit court judges, you know, they don't, I, I'm not going to, this is not to say they have an opinion on this one way or the other, um, you know, but they have a, they have a large caseload. But, you know, I think what what's also important to keep in mind is that, you know, I said 8,000 cases is the average. Um, these cases are not divorce hearings. They're not criminal murder trials. The vast majority of matters go before the orphans court are very simple. Sometimes they're complicated, but what's important for the public to know is that it is the case now, and it has always been the case, that the most complex cases to go before the orphans court are routinely transmitted to the circuit court anyway. I mean, it's a, it is, how bizarre is it that we have a specialty court, this one court that handles this one issue in, in Howard County that, you know, you'd think, okay, I'm going to, my, my mom died and uh, I, I want to fight her will. Uh, my brother and sister and I are going to fight over whether the will is valid. That issue, 
I mean, we're talking about the big kahuna in any kind of probate matter, challenging someone's final wishes. You know, you'd think the probate court would handle that, right? No, it doesn't do that. Those matters always go to the circuit or almost always go to the circuit court uh, for adjudication. So what we're left with is a redundancy. You know, we've got a court that, that you know, its workload is, is kind of scaled down just to these small number of uncontroversial cases and things that, you know, you may have a case where you've got, you know, mom dies without a will. And let's just say my brother and I want to fight over who's going to be the executor. Well, there'd be a hearing over that. It should probably take 15 minutes. Um, and the court would decide, you know, is one of us best suited to do it? Or it, are we, are neither of us capable and we've got to appoint some impartial third party? Well, that's simple enough to decide. Um, and that's something that the circuit court could handle easily. Um, so why do we need this whole other court to do it? So long story short is that, and let me also point out that the, uh, uh, again, in, to, to give a comparison of caseload, the circuit court in Howard County has more hearings in any given day than the orphans court does in an entire year. So we're, we're talking about a really, you know, we get back to like, why are we electing people to do this really in the grand scheme of things, trivial amount of work um, when we have the circuit court already there fully equipped to handle all of this. Um, and, you know, historically when this happened in Montgomery County and Hartford County, those courts were not overwhelmed. Um, they handled it and, you know, those are, those are two jurisdictions where um, uh, we looked particularly at Hartford County in trying to figure out how would this work here. And what we found was that their circuit court sitting as their orphans court um, had more hearings and they had them and they adjudicated them more quickly. And that on average, the amount of time from someone filing something to it being resolved by the court was half of what it is in Howard County. So, you know, it's a, it's a demonstrably better system. And, it, and the idea, the argument that it would overwhelm the circuit court, that is simply a red herring, that is simply not true. So, and I can speak to that, to that from, from firsthand experience, Byron. I mean, I, I can remember when I was custodian of property over, which is the Maryland term for executor, over, over my dad and my grandmother's estate. It, it took me maybe you know, I, I remember working uh, very closely with, with the registrar's office to make sure that the forms were filled out correctly, the spreadsheets made sense, everything added up, there was the evidence there of checks that were written and, and things were paid and notices put in the proper places, but I, I believe the amount of time uh, spent by the uh, orphan's court itself on both of those cases combined was about two minutes. Uh, probably just about enough to get a signature and a stamp saying this is right and and uh, and the uh, the, uh, the estates can now be closed. Steve, what questions do you have? Sure, thank thank you, Bill. And 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 by the way, uh, because there's really no general election because there were no Republican candidates, the three winners of the primaries um, actually going to go through it. And I will just say on behalf of my partner here, you know, judges Bostic. Fitch and Miller are more than welcome to come on to the show if you would like to, uh, I guess we'll get all legal here and make the case for why this uh, uh, change should not happen. So so we certainly, you know, you're more than welcome to come on and, and uh, you know, give the other side of it if you if you do have that other side. So so just to be clear, Byron, um, if this if this legislation, if this referendum is passed, 
it would effectively eliminate this particular court. So these three judges would no longer, you know, be on the bench. This this whole organization, for lack of a better word, would just go away. Correct. Right. And if I could just just a quick correction. Um, sure. Uh, the one candidate, um, the one candidate, uh, Christine Bostic, has been removed from the ballot. Um, she wound up. She didn't file her either of her pre-primary finance reports and racked up a bunch of fines and because of that was removed from the ballot um, because she refused to pay them. Um, and the Democratic Central Committee nominated the fourth place candidate from the primary, Jilly Brown, as the third slot on the, you know, so Ms. Brown will appear on the, on the ballot. I'm just um, gonna make an, on an aside, in 35 years of Maryland political involvement, that is literally the first time I have ever heard of a candidate being removed from the ballot because of their failure to deal with the campaign finance reforms. I mean, forms and just the yeah. reports. It's yeah, no, I, I, Bill, I'm, I, when this happened, I asked around friends all over the state and uh, no one had ever heard of this happening before. And right. I mean, frankly, I wasn't surprised that <laughs> if it were in the office. But, Right, but to me, I mean, that, I mean, I don't want to be seen as as casting aspersions on the other two folks, but that that speaks for viewers and listeners. To me, that speaks to the point of the fitness of of this office, and yeah. you know how I'm just going to say it: what this office draws as terms of people who are interested to run for it. So anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm agape at that. I, I didn't know that it was because of the campaign finance reports. Yeah. yeah I mean, if you, if you, if you don't, I mean, if you don't, if you don't do what, I mean, you have someone who, you know, and, and this is candidate, you know, is a lawyer. You know, one of the arguments that I've heard about uh, in opposition to this measure is, well, if the problem, and one of the problems is that we have non-lawyer judges and that we have lawyer judges who don't, have any kind of expertise in probate law, which leads to making misinterpretations of the law, which leads to erroneous errors, mistakes that are chronic. Um, the the solution I've heard is, well, why don't we just make them all lawyers? Why don't we just make it do what Baltimore City, Baltimore County, and Prince George's have done, which is by constitutional amendment require their orphans court judges to be lawyers? Why don't we just do that? Well. You know, uh, we had three candidates this time slate up as three lawyers and said, well, vote for us. We'll fix everything. Well, one of them, I mean, like you said, Bill, I have never, I mean, in my 20 plus years in politics, I've never heard of someone being thrown off the ballot and, and, and without, you know, getting too much into, you know, I don't want to tell any tales out of school, but she, I think fundamentally didn't think that she had to do this you know, and she can come on and defend herself to she's blue in the face, but never heard of this in my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that you have someone who is a lawyer running for judge, not following basic, you know, it takes you five seconds to file an affidavit of limited contributions. Um, you know, Steve and Bill, you both know, you know, this is not rocket science here. It's, it's something that, you know, as a candidate, you must do. And it's also a matter of transparency. You know, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you saying to the public as a candidate for judge, much less any other office, you know, I'm not going to follow the law, number one, number two, when I'm told, hey, you have to do this, and there's going to be consequences, well, you know, go kick rocks. And then, you know, I'm not going to tell you who's given me money, like, 
<laughs> got some serious problems here. A, a, a child could do these forms. Steve, I'm so <laughs> sorry because we are both. <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. I'll shut up. No, no, but but Bill, this this really lends to the absurdity, and I'm just going to say it straight up: the absurdity of what's going on here. So, and, and Byron and, and Bill, just jump in if I'm if I'm seeing things wrong here. You have a position that deals in legal matters, where the sitting individuals may or may not be lawyers, and if they are, they may or may not be specialists in probate matters, which is the focus of this organization. And one of the three people who are going to be sitting in this chair were appointed by members of a party central committee who may or may not even know what this job is and what it does. So one of the three people who make these decisions, albeit, you know, 200 cases, you know, light caseload, but one of the people making this, one of the three people making these decisions are appointed by a, a party committee. I mean, it, it, this stuff just writes itself, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I, and I think if, if I could just, committee, I know many of the people on the central committee, I like them, but do I want them appointing judges? Well, and I, and, and I think that you bring up a really important or uh, really important uh, point, Steve, which is, and, and I think this is important for anyone watching or listening to now, you know, the, the difference between how, when, how someone becomes an orphan's court judge versus someone who becomes a district court judge or circuit court judge or appellate judge <clears throat> For excuse me, <clears throat> um, for the orphans court, you have to you know basically come in at least third place in the majority party in the county you're running in. You know, surprise, surprise that all of the orphans court judges in Garrett County are Republicans, and all of the orphans court judges in Prince George's County are Democrats. You know, surprise, surprise there. Um, so that's how you get to become an orphans court judge. To become any other kind of judge, you have to be nominated, you have to be reviewed and scrutinized and vetted by what's called a judicial nominating commission. You are interviewed by the state and local bar associations. You're interviewed by the specialty bars, the LGBTQ bar. <clears throat> In Howard County, we have the Waring Mitchell Law Society, which is our African-American law society. Um, you go through the ringer before you are ultimately appointed by the governor to this to those positions. So we're talking about a stark contrast in how someone becomes one kind of judge versus all the rest. Um, and so do I think that someone with someone who won't even follow file, you know, campaign reports, is that person going to, you know, survive the scrutiny of a nominating commission and you know, all the people who have a role to play and whether that person gets that position. I don't think so. You know, I've never sat on one of those commissions, but I, you know, those are, you know, those, those positions are competitive. Um, and when you've got a lot of people, you know, with their hands in the, um, uh, a lot of people weighing in on it, you know, I think that you end up with a lot better, you know, I mean, I look at our circuit court, you know, we've got five great judges um, and, um, and I would trust any of them to handle these kinds of matters over really what I think of as an electoral roll of the dice on what hodgepodge of three people you might get on an orphan's court. No, I, pre I appreciate that. And, and, and again, just to clarify for the listeners out there or viewers, um, it, it doesn't seem to be, and you, you certainly are closer to this than anybody as our register of wills. Uh, if, if I'm a citizen and I need a matter resolved, 
it doesn't strike me as if I'm going to get, you know, less in the way of quality of service. Uh, I'm not going to be waiting a year versus a month. It's not going to affect my ability to get my family matter or whatever that matter is resolved if it's handled by the circuit court as opposed to uh, this orphans court. I say the name and I laugh because you're right. The, the the naming of it is 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 insane. But it doesn't yeah. sound like it, it's going to impact me in a negative way if it's now handled by the circuit court as opposed to this current orphans court. No, and, and I mean, it's really the opposite. I mean, it's it's this is going to be a benefit to people is that they're going to have their matters resolved more quickly. Um, you know, one of the problems that we have with this court is that, um, again, this is a systemic problem, is that it is a part-time court. It meets for part of one day a week and not every week of the year. So, you know, once the court has finished their session each Wednesday, if someone comes in to file something and maybe it's a very simple matter and maybe it's time sensitive and it comes in on Thursday afternoon, I have to tell that person, uh, you've got to wait until Wednesday. Well, why is that? Because our court isn't here for the next five days. And that's not right. You know, what the way it works in Harford County is just like in Howard County, they've got a, a dedicated session day for the court, right? But if there is an emergency matter or something that's time sensitive, um, the registrar's office has a relationship with the circuit court where, you know, they can they can run an order up to the circuit court and get it signed promptly. Um, and so that's the kind of system that I envision that we'll have in Howard County where, you know, people think that, you know, we often have people who they, they are visiting Howard County short term to deal with a loved one's estate. Um, and sometimes they really, they actually really do need something dealt with immediately. Now, most probate matters are handled exclusively administratively by the Register of Wills. So we're there, you know, uh, 40 hours a week, we're, we're there, you know, Monday through Friday to help people and get them what they need. But the missing link is that, you know, we don't have access to this court every day. <clears throat> in Harford County, Montgomery County, they do. So, you know, far from it being, uh, this isn't going to hurt anyone, it's really going to help people. And in addition to all of that, Howard County's Orphans Court is the only Orphans Court in the state that has a local rule, which is illegal, by the way, but that's a whole other thing. Um, <clears throat> orphans Courts aren't allowed to create local rules, but our court has a local rule. They hold all petitions and motions for 20 days before they make a decision. It's the only Orphans Court in the state that does that, only one. So you may have an estate where mom dies, I am the sole heir, and I file a petition for attorney's fees or a petition to sell property or something like that. Even if I'm the only interested person, the court will sit and wait 20 days before they render a decision on that. And, you know, I have done my best to try to work with the court to try to make some changes. And it just, nope, that's what we're doing. And, you know, again, there are so few people that go in front of them I think there's absolutely a, a some degree of a lack of accountability. Um, so, um, you know, I always tell people it's like if if my office were doing a really bad job, um, or uh, the clerk's office or one of our delegates wasn't being responsive to constituent concerns, we'd hear about it, and there'd be consequences for us, right? Um, but when you've got a court that you know who who's going to go out in public and criticize a judge for taking a long time to resolve something. No one, especially not lawyers. You know, we, we have to walk a very fine line being critical of judges, especially if it's a, a matter, you know, where the judge is, doesn't, hasn't, hasn't made a decision yet, or we have a pending matter before them. So, um, 
yeah, it's a it's 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 a fraught system from start to finish. I, I uh, wow. Uh, again, as you drill this down, I mean, you, the the uh, obviously there's the political piece of this, but but just the 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 piece of this when you you just talk about it from a practical standpoint and breaking it down. I mean, it's a part time position. Um, they're only in a certain amount of time as a part-time position, the amount of time you have to wait. And you're right. You know, if somebody's coming in from Washington state to resolve something, you know, they can't afford to, you know, probably cannot afford to book a hotel room for, you know, God knows how long waiting the, these X number of days. So it, it sounds like not only is this a, a resolution to a political matter that, that is off way off the rails, but, it's to your point, it seems like it's much more efficient um, to, to do it through the circuit court. So, you know, my last question um, until I you know, turn it back over, but I do have one other legal question, but it's unrelated, but I really want to get your take on it because it's something that, that sure. it just like it needs to be talked about briefly. Um, has there been any suggestion from the current uh, sitting members of the orphans court to say, you know what? You know, it shouldn't be an elected position. Why don't we just do like a lot of the other judgeships? And I personally believe that any judgeship should be appointed. You know, the two things that I've always said as far as, um, and you don't have to touch this if you don't want, Byron, but the, the two um, reforms that I've always said all the way up to the Supreme Court is they should be appointed. They should have term limits. Th those have been my, you know, big two. I, I won't go any deeper on the Supreme Court but because you're absolutely right. Your point's well taken. But has there been any suggestion from the current members or, or their advocates you know, out there to just say, okay, fine, it shouldn't be elected, let's take politics out of it, make it an appointed position? Yeah. No, the judges, I mean, I mean, I, I think I've heard, let me, let me take that back. <clears throat> from the Orphans Court judges, I mean, there are, there are some who believe that, you know, some agree with the idea of changing the name of the court so it's more understandable for people, so to change it to probate court. But there's a lot of pushback from traditionalists, so that's not something that they're unanimous about. Um, there has been some desire to make them nonpartisan elections, which I agree with, um, but I also don't agree that they should be elected to begin with. Um, but again, there are some there are some judges in some jurisdictions who get elected because of their party, um, and so they don't want to make that change. Um, and most recently, the judges have. They have uh, they have pitched um, what they one of the things that they want is to make their terms eight years instead of four. Um, so uh, they'd be the only elected officials in the state with an eight year term. It's really bizarre. Um, so uh, and none of these things really get to the, I mean, this is all nibbling around the edges, you know, mm -hmm. to a bigger problem. And I don't I, I'm I am the kind of person like I do not like piecemeal change. You know, I think that if you if you see a hundred cracks in a system, don't pull out the spackle and mortar or whatever, just let's just, you know, it's easy to try to make small little fixes here and there. Um, it's hard to say, you know, that's such a reflexive way that people do. I mean, you will, I mean, especially Steve, you've been involved in county government, you know, intimately for a long time. There is such a natural, you know, inclination to, compromise for the sake of compromise, not because it's the right thing to do, not because it's 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 looking long term, but just because it's easy and it's going to offend the fewest people. And, you know, uh, you both know me. I don't shy away from, you know, I don't shy away from, you know, 
you know, why do we, why do we want 80% when we can have a hundred? Let's go for, let's go for the gold. And if we come a little short, that's fine, but let's not start off. I mean, this is like negotiating one-on-one, you know, why do we, why do we kind of handicap ourselves to begin with? Um, so I don't, you know, some of those things like nonpartisan elections, fine. Um, but you know, the idea of them being appointed, I mean, a lot of them, you know, especially those that have, uh, some kind of political clout, whether it's because of their connections with elected officials or because they're a well-known family in their jurisdiction, whatever it may be, they don't want to be appointed. Um, and especially, you know, you know, one of the things too, is that they've, they've tried to, <clears throat> um, uh, one, one other issue is that, um, in the 19 counties in Maryland where the judges aren't required to be lawyers, I think it's only two or three counties where, you are actually even allowed to be a lawyer and serve on the court. Howard County and I think Calvert County are the exceptions, um, and maybe Anne Arundel, um, but uh, but in like Frederick County, you can't be a practicing lawyer and be an orphans court judge. In Howard mm-hmm. County, you can be a practicing lawyer and be an orphans court judge as long as you aren't dealing with probate matters in your practice. So I can be a divorce lawyer. Um, our former chief judge Sheree McNeil was a family law attorney. Um, so her work life hadn't, her, her uh, legal practice had nothing to do with her job. There was no conflict. Um, some of the judges have said, well, why don't we just to try to recruit some better candidates, you know, try to get more lawyers to run for these positions, which would be a good thing. Why don't we create an exemption statewide so that any lawyer anywhere in Maryland can run for orphans court and they can continue their practice um, as long as they're not dealing with probate matters in their practice. And there's mm-hmm. been a lot of pushback from the non-lawyer judges. They say, you know, so basically we're just trying to open up the pool of candidates to get, right. you know, to open it up to water. <clears throat> and they won't, they can't even agree to that, um, which is really a shame. Um, but this all gets back to sort of just protecting the status quo and protecting people who are in positions that are comfortable. Right. All right. Well, thank you. Like I, said, I have one question unrelated to this, but, I, but it's just one that I wanted to ask because I've seen you know some of your advocacy on online. But Bill, I'm going to turn it back over to you for questions regarding this particular question, as it were. On, well, on yeah, the I, I, well, I mean, the, the, I guess move towards ramping up, Byron. I mean, yeah. one of the one of the things that I mean, we, we talked earlier about the election of these judges and. You know, it, it's it's essentially a fait accompli that, that these three are, are going to get elected, uh, except if, of course, the referendum passes and then the referendum takes effect. But, uh, you know, a, an, an activist uh, colleague of ours, who I will not say her name, but, but we all know who she is, had made a suggestion to me recently of just simply not voting for the judges of the orphans court in order to to kind of show a a protest about everything that we've talked about today about just how simple ridiculous the the whole orphans court has has become and you know i I could remember other other people you know uh you know some great names in the past byron you you mentioned uh you know ms mcneil i mean i'm thinking about former state delegate frank turner uh, some, you know, a very nice lady in, in Elkridge named Peggy Ford, another uh, very smart gentleman, Frank Chase, who was uh, a member, uh, a judge of the Orphans Court. And, and these were all people who cared, again, not to cast dispersions about people on the court now, but this, this current example with this candidate, 
you know, suggests that uh, perhaps Orphan's Court isn't isn't uh, bringing out the best and the brightest of Howard County. Do, do you think that there's any, you know, is, you know, well, I mean, how do you feel about like what would be a, you know, this symbolic thought of of just not voting for Orphan's Court? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, a lot of people feel like, uh, you know, they need to check off every box all the way down their ballot. Uh, that's not everyone, of course. Um, as we all know, people drop off every successive office on the ballot, people drop off. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I'll just say, like, when I vote in November, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be voting for any of the judges, um, uh, the candidates, because, you know, um, I feel like for me, I feel like it's disingenuous. I mean, I'm voting to and advocating for, you know, eliminating this position entirely. So for me, it's it's a matter of, you know, number one, um, I mean, I'm not going to get into each individual candidate, but, you know, I, I did raise an ethical issue with one of them. Um, and uh, I mean, what we have in front of us, you're right, it's a fait accompli that these three individuals will be elected. Um, but I mean, here we are, you know, a year since this debate really began, when the delegation first proposed it last December. And, you know, again, the argument from the opponents to this referendum was, you know, it's, there's no need for us to abolish this court. We just need to elect better people. Well, we have three candidates running and I'm not gonna name names. Um, one of them uh, has a lawyer who re regularly goes before the court as her treasurer, which I think creates an appearance of impropriety. That's, I think, a serious problem. Um, and then you've got two other candidates, one who's an incumbent and one is a former incumbent uh, who was unseated in the last election by the incumbent. Uh, if you think the two of them are going to get along, you're crazy. Um, and then between the three of them, one of them is going to be the chief judge. I mean, this is exactly the problem, is that this is a people should not rely on a roll of the dice for whether we have a system that has like that functions on a basic human level. I mean, I can tell you that if these three individuals are elected and the referendum fails, this is going to be an unmitigated disaster. Mm -hmm. every, every single every single week is going to be a knockdown drag out fight between the three of them. And that's the problem. You know, that's what yeah. we've been dealing with for decades now. And it's not just Howard County. I mean, this is a local issue, but, you know, I mean, there was an, another jurisdiction a few years ago where uh, an orphan's court judge was appointed to fill out the term of a vacant position. And the the chief judge of that court and this new judge, the their relationship was so hostile that the new judge on doctor's orders was told to not be in the physical presence of her colleague that it caused her such stress and anxiety that they needed to make arrangements for doing their work outside of each other's physical presence. Um, and so, you know, this kind of, you know, it's been acutely problematic in Howard County, but we're not alone. Um, so, um, you know, we're the only county that has felt like we need to take this bold step. Um, but, you know, again, it's a, it's a systemic problem. So I will not be voting for any of the candidates running. I will be I will be penciling in or penning in that dot next to yes on question five very darkly um, and um, encouraging my friends all over the state to do the same thing because it's this, we have moved beyond this being a choice to it being a necessity in my view.
And, and so last question, Byron, and I think I know the answer because I've done my looking. I, I, I don't see any, any organized opposition or proponency the question five anywhere. Um, so we're going to be launching a website very soon that's going to have everything we've talked about today and more on it. So history of the court, uh, what are the problems? How will question five solve those problems? How do you vote? How will this actually play out? It will debunk a lot of the claims made by opponents about this, you know, that it's going to overwhelm the circuit court. You know, their, their biggest argument is, you know, basically there's nothing to see here. It's always what you want to hear from government, right? Um, every, every, every part of government can always do better. Um, that the public is, is totally happy with this system. Um, that this is a backdoor effort to get rid of all the orphan sports. None of this is true. Um, and so we're going to make sure that people have the facts. Um, so that's going to be coming out soon. Um, and uh, that's in part because uh, there is one judge in another jurisdiction who has made it, made it her mission to try to stop this. Um, and, you know, shocker that it's a lay judge in a county over 100 miles away from here. Um, totally, there's a serious ethical issue, I'll, I'll just add, with judges weighing in on public policy issues. Uh, not supposed to do that. Um, but I'm starting to hear some talking points coming out of them that's being disseminated in some, you know, email threads and stuff like that. Um, I've, I've been trolled a little bit on Twitter by someone from the shore uh, about this issue, and it's all, it's all nonsense, and we want to make sure people have the facts. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I, it's just, to me, what's interesting is that this is a simple local issue, um, but there are, there are some folks who just, uh, and we've seen this in Howard County too, um, you know, even for, I, I wish that, uh, I wish that members of our party would not look at people on the other side of their aisle and their, their propensity to buy into whatever conspiracy theory you throw in front of them. Um, but that's increasingly, we can have a whole other hour long conversation about that. Um, but, um, but that's part of the issue here is that we've got some people who just, they view this as some sort of nefarious effort to get rid of all the orphans courts in, in Maryland. And that's not true. Um, this really is an acute issue here. And we know it will work here um, by making this transition. So that's why we're moving forward with this. So I'm, you know, again, long story short, I'm not going to be voting for any of the judges because I just, I think it's disingenuous. The people are free to do whatever they want. As, as you know, the practical effect of this is that simultaneous with the election of these judges is the effectiveness of the amendment. So they will actually, the, the judges who win will never be seated. So the current judges' terms will play out through the end of, uh, just uh, December 3rd is the end of our term. So they will complete their term on December 3rd. December 3rd, the circuit court will take over. It's the magic of democracy. They'll just poof. Steve, yeah. Steve, you, you bring us home with your questions, sir. Okay. Uh, un unrelated. Well, first of all, Byron, thank you for being on the show and, and giving us that insight. I look forward to the website. Please let us, uh, you know, provide yeah, it to us. We'll, absolutely. You know, online. I'll, I mean, so I follow you on, on some of the social media channels. I'll share it. Um, and you're right. We could have another hour with you to talk about, you know, I'd love to talk to you about so many of the human rights issues that are going on in this country. Uh, no secret, Mr. Register, member of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, but I think right now what's going on affects, you know, women, you know, people of color like myself. I mean, it, 
there are so many issues out there that that we could talk about. Even here in the county, um, I, I saw recently a post from you about the, the response to a certain sign in schools that say, everybody's welcome. <laughs> a simple yeah, message. Apparently that's really offensive to some people. <laughs> yeah, people, so. people lost their minds over a simple <laughs> sign that said, all students are welcome here. I, and, and I yeah. saw your response, Byron. It was, it was pretty, it was great. But uh, speaking of schools, as we get into the school system, there was, God, I hope so, the conclusion of a lawsuit that attempted to take away the voting rights of a student member of the Board of Education. I know you you had a lot to say about that um, and a lot to say about the recent decision. Just very quickly, if you want to touch on that, and, and again, I don't know if there's any other recourse for these individuals. I hope there's not because this should have been over a long time ago. But just a quick thought on that. Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, um, you know, we, we've unfortunately gotten to a point, I think, in Howard County and Bill, you know, you, you've been active or, you know, Steve, you too, you know, you have some Howard County historical knowledge that, that goes back before me. But I mean, I, I grew up here um, and I, you know, when I was first getting involved, my, I think the first election that I was really kind of aware of what was going on was 1998. And so this was a turning point in the county where we had been red for eight years, right? You know, we had a Republican county executive. Um, we had a Republican county council. Our courthouse was a bunch of Republicans. We had, uh, I think the majority of our delegation was Republican at the time. I know we had Republican state senators. I, I'm remembering Chris McCabe and Marty Madden um, and uh, probably not even welcome in their party anymore these days. Um, but, um, but, you know, uh, we have transitioned from, you know, we are almost at one party rule and so, you know, what have we seen from the other side? They can't win elections. Uh, and so what do they resort to? Well, we're just going to sue whenever we're not happy with the policy decision that's come up. Um, and, and there's a lot here that's steeped in privilege. Um, you know, we've got people, private citizens who have uh, enormous resources. Um, and so they just clog up our courts. I mean, you know, it's no, no secret that I and three other local progressives have been sued by a local Republican for, uh, you know, daring to use our First Amendment right of free, free speech. Um, and, you know, fortunately, two of these cases were easily dismissed. But and it's basically, you know, the, the local mantra for conservatives is, uh, you know, we're going to try to win elections. We know we're going to lose most of them. Um, so what are we going to do instead? We're going to whine and complain on social media. Uh, and they have no shortage. I mean, the proliferation of innocuous sounding family, families unite, parents represented and reopen and all this kind of stuff. Um, they really should just have one page because they are all <laughs> the same. Uh, and uh, but that's, you know, it's a lot of hand wringing and, and lying on social media and it's suing, you know, and it's tying up our, you know, I, I wish that in this case with the with the student member of the board, this was a losing case from the beginning and everyone knew it. How much did it cost the school system to defend that lawsuit? And I wish these people had to pay that um, because it's it's not just uh, it's not just the money, but it's also the dragging the community through, you know, they always, the conservatives always claim that it's Democrats who are being divisive about everything. Well, it's pretty divisive to file a lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of having a voting student member of our board. Um, and it was so obviously transparent. It wasn't about 
this this office as a institution. It was about it was about one particular student member of the board who was voting away that they simply didn't like. And there's something very ugly about that. So they can keep filing all these lawsuits. It's it's not helpful to our, you know, comedy as a community. Um, ultimately, they keep failing. Um, but this sort of knee jerk, I don't get my way, I'm going to sue, is, is not how we should be trying to resolve our issues as a community. And I'm glad no, that, you know, at least recently, the right has prevailed. And I hope it continues to. No, I appreciate that. And, and I threw that out there because, you know, speaking of the caseload of, of our courts and, and we've talked about how the orphans court caseload would would have a, you know, negligible <laughs> effect on that. Uh, a case like this does. So, so that's why I wanted to throw that out there, because it does take up a lot of time and bandwidth of a court that, that you know, certainly has its limits as far as how much it can take. So thank, thank you for the answer on that and, and for some of the other issues you talked about. Again, Love to have you on to talk about a whole range of other more political matters. Uh, but with that, Bill, I'll turn it over to you to wrap up. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we could spend uh, several volumes of this podcast talking about uh, the, the ignorance and, and avarice of, of the uh, nouveau Howard County landed gentry. But uh, we, shall, we shall defer that for other times. But Byron, <laughs> I, I would like to thank you also. Uh, for joining us, always informative and uh, interesting. Uh, and so thank you for helping get out the word about question five and why people across the state of Maryland uh, should vote in favor of it, uh, and, you know, and, and uh, reform Howard, the way that uh, Howard County manages, um, you know, to serve its, uh, its uh, citizens who are going through a very hard time. You know, the, the death of a loved one, uh, assuming duties and roles and responsibilities that they may not know, you know, days before that they have, uh, you know, there, there's a desire for firm and, and steady hands there. Um, that's the best way to do business. And, and I thank you for recognizing that and for standing up for it. So thank you. So Steve, anything in closing or any updates no. on Poe? Uh, I, I've not seen any. Like I said, I think we're waiting for the Harbaugh press presser on Monday to, to find out. But uh, uh, yeah, hopefully everybody enjoyed that little bit of levity. Hey, but well, uh, again, just thank you to our Register of Wills. Uh, great conversation, important conversation. I don't, uh, again, hopefully people learn something about uh, what is the judge of orphans court, uh, the relationship with the circuit court, what a mess this whole concept is and why it needs to be changed. Bill, you and I, Again, no secret. We both agree that that this question, the answer should be yes. <laughs> so um, I will certainly be doing the same markings that you do, uh, Mr. Register. <laughs> so uh, uh, looking forward to that conversation again. You know, once the website's available, we'll we'll put that out there. So well, thank well, you. Thank very you, much. Steve. If, if you do get any PO news, do let us know. I know you have sources at the uh, sports medicine clinic at Union Memorial. <laughs> Dr. Lou Sean is a, is a close friend of yours, so, so <laughs> please feel free to let us know. So All for right. Steve Hunt, my name is Bill Woodcock. You have been watching or listening to another edition of Forward Maryland. Not sure what we're doing next week because it's Labor Day holiday. We'll figure that out, uh, but uh, we will be back to you in either one week, maybe two. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.